GAA Sports Desk. Brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin. Welcome to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Hello, good evening, and welcome to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. In studio this evening, Suzanne Parker, Emma Hayden, and myself, Peter Brannigan. And as always, we'll begin by thanking Hugh and the Live Drive team for getting you home safely this evening. Live Drive returns on air tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Now, as ever, we've got a packed show coming up over the next hour or so. In the second half, we're going to be looking back on the Ladies Football Dubstars Challenge Games, which took place over the weekend. And we're going to be hearing from Brendan Cooper, the Secretary of Dublin. Camogie. Before that, we're going to be speaking a little bit about hurling. Dublin were taking on Galway in the Board Namona Walsh Cup semi-final over the weekend, a one-point defeat for Matty Kenny's charges against his native county. And we're also going to be looking at change in Gaelic football. This Saturday, there's a central council meeting taking place to decide which, if any, of the new rules are set to be carried forward into the National League campaign. We'll be hearing from the players, we'll be hearing from Galway's Shane Walsh, we'll be hearing from Kerry's Stephen O'Brien, and we'll be hearing from Monaghan's Ryan Wiley, as well as regular contributor Conor McKeown of the Herald. If you want to contact us in the studio, you can. The text line here, 087-977-1032. Email gasportsdesk at dublincityfm.ie or you can head over onto our Facebook page, which is GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. But indeed, we're going to begin with hurling. Uh, the Wash Cup semi-final taking place in Parnell Park on Sunday. For maybe 45 minutes of this game, it looked like it was going to be very, very comfortable for Galway, but Dublin finished strongly. This was a game that was live here on Dublin City FM. Mick Hanley and Andy Cunningham were in the commentary booth, and this was their reaction immediately after the game. It's a feat by one point uh, for uh, Dublin, but uh, I suppose uh, in the run of play, Andy, I think Galway probably were the better side today. Yeah, they, they deserved, I thought, uh, the, the win. Dublin did come back at them in the last 10 minutes, but overall, uh, they were the better hurling side uh, to, to uh, Mannion, who, who controlled it, but I thought that the half-back line were excellent. And I thought Dublin were very sluggish today. For a, t- a team that had uh, three games under a belt, competitive games, not challenging games, competitive games, and where Galway's forced out into the air, I thought Galway were much more hurling fish and much more sharper. And uh, they'd be delighted going in to, to play Kilkenny, Kilkenny or, or Wexford next week. But uh, disappointment for Dublin. Uh, you know, didn't really get a whole lot out of the match, uh, you know. And uh, as I say, they just have to knuckle down now. And... Uh, up against Carlo, who you know impressed me in the round robin of the three teams they played in round robin. I thought Carlo were probably the better, the better side. Uh, they have them here now on the 26th Saturday week, so a big game for both both teams. Say Carlo coming up from a lower division, Dublin probably would be expected to win that game, but uh, they'll have to improve on that performance. And uh, sloppy game, didn't get that now. Just I think a bit of, a bit of craft for you. The big uh, Conor Whelan, I thought was good too. Uh, Hart at wing back, I thought they, that were. Always big guns, the guys that they, they rely on, they, they, they sort over the difference in the two teams. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, Dublin's Walsh Cup run comes to an end. Uh, victory goes to Galway today with just a single point 21 points for Galway, 117 
for Dublin. Indeed, the end of Dublin's participation in the Walsh Cup. It's Wexford and Galway in the final this weekend, which is taking place at Enniscorthy at Say on Sunday afternoon. Now, before that, the Dublin footballers will be playing in the final of the Bordemona O'Byrne Cup. That's Dublin against Westmead this Friday at Parnell Park. And earlier on this week, Emma Hayden caught up with our regular contributor, Connor McKeown of the Heralds, to get his view ahead of that game. Obviously, Mead uh, never want to lose out on a battle with Dublin. Uh, coming in on the win in that charity match, they were up for a fight. Oh, yeah, they were. Like, um, probably, well, there's definitely more at stake for Mead than there was for Dublin. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, um, like, you know, everything has to be taken in context with the fact that it's January. In as much as it was a very experimental Dublin team, and there was probably half of the Mead team were missing there too, I think. Um, you know, it was in Mead's best interest to kind of put it up to Dublin. But, you know, the fact that it went extra hard, the fact that it went to penalties, I don't think they'd be too perturbed. I think Mead could probably do with the extra weekend off before they start the league. Um, whereas Dublin, obviously, it's not applicable because, you know, it won't be, there won't be any, you know, maybe one or two guys to play uh, on Friday night final against Westmead to play in the first round of the league so um, you know I think th- the result of the penalties when you know on paper it looked like Dublin beat Mead they didn't really um, and I think maybe the result was, was beneficial for both teams Obviously in this match we did get to see um, the hand pass rule come into effect and we've seen it in the other games over the weekends as well what do you make of the rule so far? Uh, I think it's a poor rule I don't think it's going to have the desired effect and I would be very surprised if it made it as far as the fourth round of the league, um, it, it doesn't serve its purpose. I think you know people get very tired watching teams have pass the ball endlessly across their back line. So you know the obvious thing and what the rules committee have come up with is a restriction of number of hand passes. Um, but the reason teams do this uh, is because you know it, it, it's a very safe way of keeping possession. And, and I think you know the only way to tackle this if you're serious about trying to curb the number of hand passes is actually just create the environment where opposition teams press the ball high up the pitch um, because teams just don't do that anymore. They retreat and they get a defensive formation. Um, and when that happens, you know, th- there is no, th- you know, the cost reward for, for a team kicking long is completely skewed against them. So that's why teams hand pass the ball. Um, and in fact, the only real effect that this is having is that an awful lot of goal chances aren't being created because if you look at the vast number of goals that are scored in the Inter-County Football Championship over the last few years, um, they tend to be part of hand-pass moves because you know, quick hand-passing and, and running off the shoulder and choreographed movement, um, that's now how teams score goals against mass defences or you know, in situations where teams have an awful lot of zone defenders. So, um, you know, for me, I don't think it's a good rule. I don't think it's going to see the light of day. And I think um, by the time Central Council meet at the weekend, um, We also did see, maybe not particularly in this match, but in other matches, it's very hard for the ref to keep track of the rule. Yeah, the players do. Like, I mean, you know, if you talk to an inter-county player and, you know, you're trying to, like a lot of what inter-county players do now in terms of their running off the ball, it's orchestrated, it's preordained. So, like, you're trying to concentrate on exactly what you're supposed to do in exactly those sort of situations. And even, you know, you might not be watching the two passes that happened before the tournament happened. So, um, you know, like we talked about hurling and football, you know, when they're really good games is being really free flowing. Um, but you know, these rules and even the offensive mark as well, like it, it makes the game more stop start. You know, it creates another sort of disruption really in the game. Um, and I just don't see it as being in any way successful. I think it's well intentioned. You 
know, I think we all have to accept the fact that as a spectacle, Gaelic football at its community level um, has ceased to be as entertaining as it used to be. And now I know a lot of people who are involved, particularly coaches, will say, well, you know, players are fitter and, and they play to a higher standard and they've got a higher level of skill. And I agree with them. Um, but that hasn't translated into a more entertaining game. And, like, you know, all sport primarily is entertainment. And when it ceases to be entertaining, it's in trouble. Because, you know, in the, you know, in context with all the other sports it's competing against, Gaelic football has a, has a microscopic reach, you know, with, like we're a small island with a small number of people who are interested in this sport. And if you're limiting, the, you know, the scope of interest to people who are, you know, hardened supporters of the team that are playing, that's not good for the game. It's not, go- it's not going to take off. Attendances will drop um, and interest will wane. So, look, I think it's well-intentioned, but I just don't, I think it's because, uh, you know, it, it, it's solving, it's not, it's not got, getting to the root problem. It, it, it's kind of trying to solve the symptoms rather than the disease. Also, we did see at, at the end of the game a rather unusual end to a Gaelic football game with the penalties taking place. Yeah, I'm on a favour of it, you know. Um, you know if, if you have to finish games on the night, you have to find a decent way to do this. You can't endlessly go to replays. And in fairness to the GA, they've been quite proactive in the last couple of years about uh, trying to limit replays just to provincial finals and, um, and uh, all Ireland finals. So, um, you know, if you can't get it solved by extra time, and you, you know, I'm all in favour of penalties. You know, penalties are as much a skill in Gaelic football as they are in soccer. So I, I don't see any reason why I don't see any reason why we can't use this. And, and hurling too. Can you imagine some of the brilliant penalty shootouts we have in hurling? Given you know, given the fact that when the when the penalty was moved out by four yards, um, you know, a lot of them started to be missed. So yeah, no, anything that creates drama and anything that can. Uh, that can get us finished on the night, I think I'll be all in favour for. And then looking at the match, and obviously this Friday night, these players uh, for Dublin, they're going to be trying to impress Jim Gavin or trying to get the word about them to Jim Gavin. Who do you think uh, might be able uh, in favour for maybe even a position on the 27th of January? Well, I thought Ryan Pascal played very well the other day. Albeit it's not a position of the pitch in which Jim Gavin uh, is struggling for options. Same with Sean Bugler and same in fairness to Aaron Bourne. Um, it's a sort of curious phenomenon in Dublin GEA that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, annually people who were interested used to bemoan the fact that Dublin aren't producing forwards. And now, you know, all they do is produce forwards. Um, and it's a couple of defenders really that Jim is after, you know. It's all well and good looking at the Bourne Cup team and saying these guys play best, but, you know, it has to address the needs that Jim Gavin has. And currently, I think he's probably shy a couple of defenders. So, you know, I thought Shani McMahon at fullback was really good the last day. And that's definitely a line where Jim Gavin needs, you know, greater depth of options. Um, I thought Robbie McDade, I know he, he got the goal, but, it, you know, I think he's a really good defender. Um, inter-county standard too. Um, and I'd be interested to see Darren Gavin again in the middle of the pitch. He, um, you know, he's a very rare athlete. You know, he moves, he moves incredibly well. And I think at inter-county level that kind of athleticism and that pace, you know, you, you can harness that into something very, very tangible. But, you know, it's a bit like last year. It was hard to see this time last year who who the, who the guys were going to be to come from nowhere, the bolters, if you want, into the double team. Uh, but then, lo and behold, when the football got serious in August, um, um, but Brian Howard and, and all Marching were in the team. So, yeah, look, it's hard to envisage it now, um, particularly when the guys who were playing well all tend to be forwards. Um, like over the last three or four years, Jim Gavin's done a great job of making his forward line much younger, freshening the thing up. So it's really in defence where he needs options. You know, you, you look at Philly McMahon and he's not getting any quicker. 
Um, and you look at Mick Fitzsimons and you think, well, maybe there might be room for both of those players now at this stage in the defence. Tino um, Sullivan, too, can probably struggle for Crows, you know, uh, in their Leicester campaign last year. So, you know, they're getting to the age now where, you know, they can still obviously make a big contribution to the Dublin team, but having a depth of option, having somebody that you can replace them with or, or rest them in favour of, um, I, I, I don't think that's any harm. And, you know, I think Shani McMahon certainly... Uh, and maybe Keane O'Connor from Keane O'Connor is worth another look. And then just finally, uh, the final obviously taking place Friday night against Westmead. What are we expecting to see? Will we see a, a good, decent match? Yeah, again, like, like everything is kind of tempered by how close we are to the start of the league. Um, you know, it's hard to know where teams... Like, Dublin are a very easy team to read because you know their priorities. Like, it's not even the Dublin management on the line. Well, it's not the Dublin manager, so... You know, basically it's a trial. You know, whoever, if anybody goes really well to get into the team, which I have to remember that like nobody from last year's All Ireland winning squad has retired. So you know, everybody who was part of that wants to be part of it again this year. So you know, for, for guys to break in, they're going to have to, you know, show fellas out the far end. Um, so that's not going to be easy, and I think it'll take something really, really, um, really spectacular for for players to crack the squad. From what made again, like. It, it, a bit different because they're that bit closer to the start of the league, um, and they're that bit closer to their their um, to their full strength team. You know that like they're playing with their with their with their league squad at the moment. They were very good winners over Longford the last day. Um, you know I think they only conceded uh, they didn't even concede a score for play in the game. So they obviously set up. Um, they obviously set up not to concede, and they looked like they wanted to ease. So you know, it, you know, I, I wouldn't be remotely surprised if Westmead won. But I think there's probably be a, a bit of desperation on the part of a few of these Dublin players. Um, you know, even to say somebody like Conor McHugh to to get a start in the first round of the league. Um, and I think for that reason, probably they have enough firepower that they that they will win it. And our thanks as ever to Conor for speaking to us. Uh, as he was mentioning there, this Friday the Board Namona. Auburn Cup final is taking place. Dublin taking on Westmead. It's out in Parnell Park. It's throwing in at 8 o'clock and hopefully there's going to be massive support heading out to it. Big support for the Dublin Mead game. Uh, we saw, what was it, 6,000 down in Tume for uh, Galway and Mayo. So obviously the appetite is there and hopefully there will be a big crowd out in Donny Kearney on Friday night. If you can't get out to it, it is a game that's going to be live on TG Carr throwing in, as I said, at Eight o'clock. Now, Connor did dedicate quite a good chunk of that interview to the uh, the rules that have been debated quite a bit in the preseason competitions, and which are set to be debated this weekend again uh, by the GA. They're holding a special council meeting to decide whether those rules are going to be taken forward. Rules like as Connor was talking about, the, the hand pass rule, three hand passes and then you must kick the ball or kick outs having to be taken from the 20 yard twenty metre line or what's being called the attacking mark whereby you can call a mark inside the opposing 45 if the kick has travelled 20 metres uh, and there's also a couple of other ones including the idea that sideline kicks should also go forward. Uh, on top of that, there's debate about penalty kicks and whether they should be used to decide games. Of course, they were used at Parnell Park last weekend and on that theme of change, today I spoke to three stars of the Intercounty game. Alliance launched their 27th year of sponsorship with the Gaelic Athletic Association through their Churchill General Days right up to the present. That was a launch that took place at Crow Park and at that launch I spoke with Galway's Shane Walsh to ask his opinion on the changes that might be brought in. 
Yeah, I think the the two we're just having a chat inside there. I suppose the two that I wouldn't mind probably seeing staying are the Sinbin rule and the maybe the sideline. Now again, the, probably a bit of tweaking to the sideline when you get joke. You know, I think it's up to the opposition twenty one, and like if you're right outside that, you're kind of giving the team no option with the ball. But Joe, you know, I think maybe tweak that a bit. But I think they're probably the two I see the mo- most working. I suppose like a, just the hand pass rule just seems a bit. Uh, Daft in the in the three. I think it's just you've gone from a record number of pass, hand passes in a game to three hand passes consecutively. So I just think that's a bit of an extreme jump. But look, I suppose they're going, they're all going to decide that anyways on, on Saturday. And that hand pass rule is, I mean, is it preventing goals being scored by limiting the hand passes? Because you know you've heard managers saying maybe the fourth or fifth hand pass is the one that set up the go- sets up the goal chance. And obviously you'd know that yourself playing up there. Yeah, I, like, I think especially because I'm just looking back to I suppose probably continue for goal of the year last year would have been the Curfin against the Nemo Rangers in the All Ireland Club final. Like it was a hand pass move that that blitzed the team and there was seven or eight hand passes in that move and it ended up in one of the best goals and no one talked about the hand passes into it it was all about the the team play that led to the goal like so I think that's a big thing now I know I think I, I was a, I think Kieran Donny was at said that maybe about um eliminating the the number of passes once you cross the 45 maybe they might have a bit more uh, cause for an argument there that if you cut out that the, the if you have the three hand, consecutive hand passes but outside the 45 and then once you get inside it you can have as many as you want I think that may may work I don't know It's I suppose trial and error is the only way to look at it the more than the rules at the moment Seamus then asked his opinion on penalties deciding matches after extra time I think I don't see the the harm in it like what's the like is in, at the end of the day you could have like I, for example people for Mayo there two years ago when they got to the Ireland final 10 games in a row and then like for a replay to come along it's an extra bit I know I'm talking financially here but it's um do you know, as in you're talking about extra money out of their pockets, like for 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 another game, and so I think you could probably work towards the replay, and then after extra time, the second day, go and have a penalty shootout. Like, and it's the excitement of it. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. Like, and do you know, maybe it's, it's a great chance for them to win the Ireland as well. <laughs> so, Shane, does that suggest penalties first or replay first, then penalties? Is there a preference? Like, do you think teams should have a second tail to it? I think I think so because often teams like you see in a big day teams mightn't perform the way they want to play and so replay often shows a true reflection of a team so and then if they, if it still goes to the wire I think it should it should probably go to penalties like I think don't see the the reason why not. Can I just ask you very briefly about the super rights? One of the the big things about super rights was getting teams in to out of Crow Park into provincial grounds when you got to the last day of the championship. Uh, your game against Monaghan might have been maybe your most disappointing of the year, I suppose, bringing a team to Salt Hill and, and getting a performance like that. So, how did you reflect on that afterwards? Were you already thinking about the semi final, or, or what what was going through the mindset after that game? Yeah, it's it's a funny one, I suppose, because like you're you are building yourself up for for the Monaghan game, but I suppose at the at the back of your mind there is that factor that. You have qualified out of the group like it. we were in the Ireland semi-final. Like go, I've never been in before, and I think that's something for us to learn from this year going forward. Is that you know whatever game is in front of us, we have to go out and win no matter what. Like we're not we're we're not as if we're like the Dublins of the world where we've been winning all Ireland and we can take a game for granted. We can't do that. We can't afford to. And I'm not saying we did either. It's just I think that in the back of your minds, when you have that subconsciously there, it does make it that bit harder. That when it's there for the taking, you're you're probably holding back rather than going for it. And for us, I suppose young lads are there. They're saying we're in the Ireland semi-final. It's great. Even myself, I suppose you're saying I'm around the panel six or seven years now, and it's great to be in the Ireland semi-final. And next thing, Monaghan come along and took clipped our wings like so. 
it's just a matter of I suppose getting down to again to the brass tacks hopefully if we get to that stage we, we won't encounter the same problem That's Galway forward Shane Walsh Now somebody who essentially agreed with him on the idea of rule changes was Ryan Wiley I initially started by asking him about penalties deciding matches Well the penalties I don't think will affect me <laughs> uh, I'll be standing back in the midfield lane with the arms around the rest of the way I suppose in the pre-season competitions I suppose it's a good enough idea not to be slogging by you're talking about player born out and injuries and stuff and the last thing you want to be doing is another 20 minutes or a replay or something like that but um, personally for a championship game I think I think just finish the game there and then um, maybe extra time probably a bit harsh for for penalties but uh, just maybe do an extra time and then go to penalties but I don't think the whole thing about a replay just dragging the whole like a couple of years ago, a replay, and it's three weeks later. Was I just, you know, you just want to, you don't want to be, you want to be going home whether you win or lose. You don't want another dragging it out. Personally, Ryan was also asked about the other real changes that might be coming in after Saturday's vote. Overall, I think the rules are probably very tough, and the referees they've an awful tough job at it. And no matter what decision you're making, 99% of the times when you actually look back, they're nearly always right, no matter what you think. But um, they're just making it tougher and tougher for the referees. But I think maybe an interview with some of the referees and maybe see how they're how, how they're coping because I'm sure it's very tough for them as well. Three mechanic cup games. I only played one, but um, it was different now. Yeah, well, just because you're, you're not used to them. But um, just a thought with the hand pass and you just find yourself counting the whole game. You know what I mean? And shouting numbers and I just didn't. It's very tough to engineer goal chances and. There's nothing better in a game of football than a goal. You know what I mean? Um, once you see the net, you know, bulging, like that's probably the best thing about a game of football, you know what I mean? A well-worked goal, but you're, you're not really seeing any of that. I think there's a stat in the kind of cup, I think they're down to 50% goals. Which is, I, don't, I know they're trying to improve the game and they want to be tweaking it, but I don't know. Maybe only a limited pass inside the 45 and then outside that's three hand passes, but I don't know, I'm not the one to make the rules. I'm just there to play if you're in a short hand pass, so teams are just going to drop back and defend. Like, I don't know, they're not going to kick it from me to you. I, just, I, think, that it's, I think it's nearly slowed the game up more, to be honest. Um, a lot of our games, you go so far forward, and before you know it, you're back nearly midfield and starting again. So, to be honest, no, I can't see. But I came in with an open mind, you know what I mean? I say, so give these a go, and we've been training with them. You know, we haven't been completely ignorant to the fact that they might come through, we've been training away with them. Cause might help us improve us as footballers as well, but um, I just don't think they've, they've worked so far. But I don't know, we'll find out Saturday, I suppose. I thought the sin, the sin, or the sin bin is probably, probably a decent enough one. Um, I don't know what other teams think of players, but um, you're, you're not ruled out completely. But um, it is a big disadvantage, so whenever you're down to 14 men, I know it's only 10 minutes, but we. We were down, and I think we were up 14. As you know, you, you do find a difference, and it's probably a punishment. Sideline as well, maybe just you can only go forward, maybe from defence. You know what I mean? It's tough, and maybe you're only with 30 yards out, and you have to go. You really have to go for a shot. You know what I mean? Because or a high ball into the square. It's not really much way you can sort of place it. What about the attacking mark? I mean, as a back, you know, does it mean you have to kind of think about being closer to your man? You can't let him get the ball and then stand off a bit and, yeah. and then go for him. Well, you look at the other way; you have a defensive mark as well. So if you win it out in front of them, you have a mark as well. But um, it probably just slows down the game more because um, you have 15 seconds to kick the ball. So you're slowing down the game. I'm sure you can just wait 14, just kill the whole momentum and all of the play. Which, but um, 
yeah, it's going to be a lot tougher. But um, I suppose if they if they win it out in front, but normally if they win it out in front and they catch it clean, um, a lot of times players have gold golds in their minds in it. So I don't I don't know if to be settling for a pint. And is it too much change? Like are we turning into kind of Aussie rules light with all the with the real changes they're trying to bring in? Yes, yeah, five rules to one goal. Like I don't know if there's any other sport in the world that brings in so many rules to to at one goal. Like just to, like was the championship that bad last summer? You know what I mean? I think we ourselves were included in some. Well, it felt like Belters playing them. Kerry, Galway felt good. Both our own games were decent. A couple of league games, like that game out we played in Dublin. I think what I don't know what score was one seventeen to nineteen points or something. That's a serious scoring, like and. You know what I mean? How many scores do people want? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the way football is gone. Like, but I don't think it's as defensive as it, as it was. Just talking to a couple of lads, like, I think it's fairly, fairly open. And very finally, I asked Kerry's Stephen O'Brien what his view was on penalties deciding big matches. Obviously, the replays kind of mess up the the schedule. Like, but um, I suppose you want to you want to decide the game on football really, and not on like a, a penalty shootout or something like that, or even a forty-five or. You know, be a lot of pressure on the fella that has to to kick that if he doesn't kick 45s. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'd rather finish it with football, definitely, whichever way. Extra time, I think, yeah, yeah. But at, at some point, then I suppose if you draw after extra time, a team deserves a replay as well. You know what I mean? Because there's no point playing. You know, if it's a 70-minute game and you're you're playing from the 100 minute on, sure it becomes just a war of attrition, really. So it's, yeah, definitely. At, at some point, a team deserves a replay, but so no mess up schedule. Replay over penalties as such. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. And it's an interesting debate that promises to go on and on. Now, we are going to head out for a break, but just before we do that, this week, both TG Carher and Airsport confirmed their coverage of the upcoming National Football and Hurling Leagues. Uh, TG Carher have confirmed that they're going to be showing Dublin's first game in the National Football League. That's away to Monaghan on Sunday week up in Clonus, throwing in at two o'clock and it'll be Bio or TG Carher. They are also going to be showing Dublin and Galway in Hurling. Now, that game takes place a little bit later on. That's on Sunday, the 17th of February, and that is deferred coverage. Galway, uh, Dublin, I should say, going down to Salt Hill uh, to take on the beaten All-Ireland finalists. In terms of air sports coverage, well, it's uh, absolutely fantastic. They're going to be covering four of Dublin's games. That's Dublin against Galway on the 2nd of February, Dublin away to Kerry the following Saturday down in Tralee, then Dublin against Mayo on the 23rd of February, and Dublin against Tyrone on St. Patrick's weekend in Park. And to throw into that, uh, they're also going to be covering the games between Dublin and Donegal in the Lidl National Football League, that's ladies football, and Dublin against Mayo in the Lidl National League as well. So loads of coverage coming up uh, over the next two months or so between Gigi Carr and Air Sport. Do stay tuned in the second half of the show, we're going to be hearing from Nigel McCarthy, he's looking back on the ladies football Dubstars games, and we're going to be hearing from the Secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brendan Cooper. GAA Sports Desk, brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin. And welcome back to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Remember, if you want to contact us in studio, you can. The text line here, 0879771032. We have a Facebook page, GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Or you can email us, GA Sports Desk at DublinCityFM.ie. Now, over the weekend, the ladies football's Dubstars games took place. And earlier on this week, Suzanne caught up with We Are Dublin's Nigel McCarthy to look back over the matches. First, we'll have a look at the, the junior Dubstars game. Tell me a little bit about how the teams were kind of feeling going into this and how it went? Um, yeah, look, it, it, this, this is their annual Dubstars event that takes, it takes place every year. Um, they, they recently brought in the junior Dubstars and uh, their, their, the nominations are sent in by, the, by their clubs and, you know, based on, on what they've done 
with their clubs o- o- over the season at, at junior level. Um, you know, the, the players are picked. Um, it, it's a great honour. It, it's great to honour the uh, players for all the hard work that they put in. Mm. And uh, the two teams are put together. I think they get a couple of training sessions um, with each other uh, mm. because, you, you know, you've got players from all different clubs yeah, um, yeah. Some haven't played together. So it's just sort of, uh, you know, giving them maybe a little game plan or, or, or whatever, you know, a few bits and pieces to work on. And, uh, yeah, they're split into the blue team and the navy team. Yeah. And, um, yeah, look, they're, they're always really competitive games, funnily enough, for that time of the year. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, players... Uh, seems to be either trying to impress maybe somebody that's watching on or, uh, you know, look, they, they, they're just happy to be out there. They're delighted they're representing their clubs. And, and as I say, it, it's an honour to get one of the, one of the dub stars. So, um, you know, they're, they're always competitive. They're always enjoyable games. And there always seems to be plenty of goals in them um, <laughs> every year. And uh, this uh, this year's uh, was, was, wasn't any different either. Um, we, we had We had some uh, good goals and some really good goals taken by some of the players and uh, it, it seemed to be uh, at one stage that uh, the, the teams were, were trying to uh, win it by uh, who could score the most, most goals and <laughs> points didn't really matter but uh, you know look, that's that, that's the fun of it as well you know it is a challenge game and um, at, at the end of it the players are presented with uh, commemorative medals and of course they, they get to keep their, their dub stars um, uh, jersey and stuff like that you know so yeah. all in all uh, you know it, it, it's as I say it, it's it's mainly to honour the junior exactly, players yeah. you know that that have put in you know look 12 months of, of hard work uh, between training and playing matches and um, it's brilliant and any of the players that are involved in it would they be being watched really for 2019 and the next season um, to be honest with you, I think Mick Bowen would be the only one to be able to answer that yeah, question. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm sure if there was, they, they, they would know about them, you know, besides this game. Mm. Um, I think it's probably one of those games you can't really take too much out of. Um, because it's not, you know, although they are competitive, you know, you know, it, it it's is a team a thrown game. together yeah. that have never really played together. Yeah, and so it'd be very hard to judge players on that, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, as I say, they only get two training sessions um, or, or, or something similar to that before the games actually take place. So it, it would be, I think, it would be harsh to judge any player on, on a dub stars game. Yeah, yeah. Well, the second game that was on, it was the Dublin four, or sorry, four thirteen, and the senior dub stars was one nine. Quite a different score there. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, again, as I say, goals win games, and uh, Dublin um, got the goals. Hannah O'Neill got um, particularly uh, eye-catching one right at the end. Uh, the, the fourth goal, she had, she had a, a, a what you would say is a tap in, into an, an empty net. Um, mm. Look, she was forced to react to the rebound. And uh, she stuck it away very well. Uh, her second, her second goal, uh, which was the fourth goal of the game uh, for for Dublin, um, was particularly special. Uh, about I'd say about twenty five, twenty seven yards out, and uh, rocket straight into the top corner keeper. No chance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, again, it, it was it was a case of uh, Dublin um, and possibly a lot of players that are being looked at. Yeah. Um, for the National League coming up uh, to get a chance to get out and a get the you know get rid of the cobwebs number one and also t- uh, two to uh, impress um, the, the man himself uh, who who was watching from the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. And what do you see like looking forward to 2019? What are we expecting from these teams? Um, well, from Dublin, I would be expecting another raise in standards again, and uh, that's going to be difficult because they're already playing at a very high standard, but. Um, 
you know, I, I, yeah. I think the, the group of players that are there, plus the management, you know, don't rest on their laurels. And, it, it, you know, it's a case of upping it again because you can be uh, sure that uh, Cork are going to be gunning to get their title back. Mm. Um, you're going to be looking at Tony Gall. You're going to be looking at Galway. Um, and one or two others which, who will have their eye on um, Dublin's All-Ireland title, that's for sure, and, and also league title. So, um, you know, they're not going to get too much um, room to settle back into the season. Um, that, you know, I think the, 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 the first I think the first target will be to retain the Division 1 title, you know, because mm-hmm. they only won their maiden one last year. So I think to cement that... Um, you know, and a bit of a legacy, to, you know, starting in, in the league. Um, I think they, mm. they, they could, you know, I think the target will be to retain it this year, you know. And um, look, it's going to be the, the opening games, I suppose, are going to be the games that Mick will have a look at players. Um, he'll, you know, you'll, you'll see plenty of, you'll see plenty of new faces. I think in in the first couple of games, um, and, and right to do it at that time of the year as well. Yeah. You know, he'll get, he'll get to see them and see see what his options are for you know heading towards the latter stage of the league into Leinster and then into the All Ireland series. And do you think that there'll be more pressure or it'll be more difficult for them to retain titles rather than just going out to fight for them? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, as they proved last year by retaining the uh, All Ireland against um, a yeah. side they'd never beaten in Crow Park um, before, uh, you know, in Championship. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that proves that no, they won't find it any more difficult. Um, I, I think the players are looking at it. You know, after, I think after the, the defeats as well that they had in the three previous years. Uh, you know that besides galvanising the, the, the squad together, I, I, you know I think that the players. <laughs> I, I'm only thinking off my thing. You know, trying to make up for, for lost time, if you, if, if you want to put it that way. And uh, you know they're not going to give up these titles very easily. Yeah. It's going to take a good performance from a from from a good side um, to stop Dublin retaining um, all three of the titles they picked up last year. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not being arrogant or being. <laughs> You know, big headed. No, no, that's, yeah. that's just the, that's just the way it is. They they are the standard bearers now in ladies football, and they're going to raise it again this year. So everyone, anyone that really has an eye on taking any of those titles is really going to have to, um, you know, come up to standard with Dublin. And whether they can do that or not, we will just have to wait and see as the season mm-hmm. goes on. But um, certainly, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll find it any more difficult to retain the titles. They've already done that. And as, as I said, the first target is more than likely for them to retain that uh, division. Yeah. And do you think they'll be making any changes in 2019, or will they just keep keep everything as is? Uh, in personnel, is that what you mean? A little bit of everything: training styles, play, playing styles. Yeah, I'm sure they'll tweak. I'm sure they'll tweak everything. I'm certainly sure you're going to see some new faces. You know, look, yeah. every year, um, you know, you can have players have to, you know through college or whatever may have to go abroad mm. as part of their studies and that so I, I would say there are probably a couple of faces gone this year that, that were there last year you know due to, to reasons like that um, so I certainly would see uh, some new faces coming in some of the minor players um, you know from last year and the year before um, there'll be a couple of them I think you'll mm. see in the squad as well and we'll get plenty of game time particularly early on in, in, in the season and uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure. Look, I'm sure he's looked at the training. If they want to raise standards again, they're they're, they're obviously going to have to tweak. Yeah. You know, because um, if you, you know, if you keep doing the same thing, you sort of get to a standstill. So uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a few things up there uh, mixed sleeve uh, for the season ahead. <laughs> and tell me, Nigel, is there anyone that you're kind of looking at uh, for 2019? A person to watch or someone that might be a a rising star in 2019? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of players. Um, I'll be looking at Creva O'Connor. Uh, from Clontarf, mm-hmm. um, 
she I, I've been watching Creasa now come up through the the underage up into minor and uh, she's certainly one that has all the attributes to be a, a top class forward um in the game uh, Sarah Fagan captain of uh, the minor team last year will be another one I'll be watching this year um Siobhan Colleen mm-hmm. um who was part of the squad last year um didn't get uh, a lot of game time um, I'd be expecting her to step up this year as well. Um, she she was the star of the show in the uh, junior All Ireland final. Um, she she bagged herself five goals in that and uh, uh, looked a serious serious threat uh, as a forward. Going, you know, uh, for Clontarf, and I'm sure um, she can do the same for Dublin. So they'd be sort of three of the names. There's others there as well. Um, there's probably a long list. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'd hear from you all night. Um, but. Uh, yeah, they'd be certainly three. I'd be looking. I'd be looking for something from from them next year. Yeah, or should I say this season? Um, th- they're certainly ones to watch. If you see those names cropping up on, on a on a program or, or a team list, uh, they'd be certainly ones to watch out for. Brilliant. And tell me, what do you think about the the ladies' football being televised with double headers with the men's? Uh, that's absolutely brilliant news. Uh, I think it's the way forward for the for for the ladies' game. Um, you know, to give it to uh, you know a bigger exposure yeah. uh, and exposure to a wider audience, um, and maybe dispel some of the old myths that are still attached to ladies' football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about the, the standard of the game and fitness of players and and, and all sorts of other things uh, that that are still there, which just don't seem to be going away for some reason. Um, so maybe exposing it to a bigger audience, you know, both on TV and you know in Crow Park, um, is uh, is brilliant news, and I think it's it's the way forward for the game. Um, the, the, the LGFA have now done this, I think, for the last three seasons. They've managed to get some of these double headers in, in the league. I think uh, it's it's the first step in the right direction. I think eventually these have to become the norm. Um, because I think that's how uh, the, the ladies' game will, will will progress even further, and uh, you certainly have to try and start seeing some of these uh, during championship. Because um, the, the one difficulty with the double headers is uh, the, the time of the year they're usually on. Um, it was the same when we had the hurlers playing with, with with the footballers in Crow Park. You know, you know, a very poor crowd in for the hurling, and then it started to fill up. You know, the latter part of the second half of the hurling. It's so cold, people don't want to sit around for four hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of connotations. They're usually on Saturdays. It's a 5 p.m. throw-in. Again, it's not a great time to have a, a game thrown in. People, you know, working on Saturdays and stuff like that. So um, it would be nice to get a, a few of these in the summertime mm. when, um, you know, they can be staged on a Sunday. You know, you, you can put the, the throw-in times at, at, at sort of better times. The weather's nicer. People don't mind sitting in the stadium for four hours in the sunshine. Yeah. But they, uh, they they don't like it in the winter when it's bitterly cold. So um, I, I think, as I said, it's a step in the right direction. I think it has to become the norm for both the league and eventually the championship. And um, I, I think that, that that's the same on the other side for the small ball with the camogie and the hurling. I think it has to happen that way as well. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, look, as I said, the positive steps... Uh, I was delighted to, to hear it um, when, when it was released, and um, as I said, the, the LGFA have to be applauded for the, for the work they are doing, trying to promote the game. And um, you know, initiatives like this um, are, are, are the way forward for them. And uh, they, as I say, they should be applauded for it. Yeah, huge positive. Uh, that's the second of February, the first of the double headers taking place. Uh, the ladies footballers are taking on Donegal, and the men are taking on Galway. And then later on in the month, of course, the other double header with both teams taking on Mayo. So a great initiative, and it'll be interesting to see, as Nigel suggests, if the hurling and camogie teams are going to be put on the same bills as well.
Now, moving from uh, ladies football to camogie, earlier on this week, Suzanne caught up with the secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brendan Cooper. First, this is the, the first show of the year, so maybe we'll have a look back at the Dub Stars games. Feels like a long time ago already, but... Um, yeah, it, well, it does, Suzanne, but uh, it was, what, 27th of December, a couple of days after Christmas time, so it's not all that long ago now, it's over two weeks, but... Yeah. Um, it's you know time moves on so fast now at this stage and we just move, move, move on to the next project uh, as such but just to kind of go to recap on, on the dub stars it was uh, it was held out in Parnells on I'd say on the 27th of December and we played two matches out there and actually we played three matches out there Suzanne because our minor squads who were in the process of being finalised had a final squad session prior to the matches so uh, between the minors on at half ten in, in the morning. The uh, Premier Dubstars run at uh, 12, and uh, then the Senior Dubstars run at 2 o'clock. So basically we had a, a little bit of a mini-festival of camogie out there mm-hmm. in Parnells on, on that particular day. It was one of those lovely days. Now, you, you wouldn't think we were in, in December, so so mild was the weather because people were wandering around without a coat, which is always a good mm-hmm. indication. So that in itself... Uh, meant that there was a fair good crowd and there was and actually a very, very it's one of the best crowds I've seen at an all a dubster match in a long, long time indeed. Again, brought on by, by the good weather. But to talk about the matches themselves, mm-hmm. again, uh, Dubstars, uh, Premier Dubstars, obviously the Dubstars, Shane, uh, Shane Thomas team, take on the uh, the Premier Dubstars as such, the club players. And most enjoyable match now, I must say. I think uh, Shane's uh, outfit ran out I think they ran out easy enough winners in the end, but for a long time, you know, the Dub Stars gave a, a very good account of themselves. And when one considers uh, the Dub Stars is a team made up of individual players, it wasn't a bad performance by by all, by, by all accounts. And mm. I suppose some of them would have been uh, would have known that uh, our senior managers would have been lurking around somewhere <laughs> in the background prior to to their own match. And I think it was, it was a good opportunity for for certain players to maybe showcase their talents, for want of a better word. Yeah. So. Uh, so it wasn't a challenge match, Suzanne. It was a competitive match in, in every sense of the word. Um, so the Dub Stars National Front runner winners. The dub, the senior match itself now, that was an entirely different story altogether because for long periods of that match, I wasn't quite sure if the Dublin Senior team were actually going to beat the Dub Stars. Mm. Dub Stars were particularly strong now this year. Um, and there was only about two or three points in it at one stage. I think the, the senior team ran out winners by about four points in the end. But as I say, at one stage, it was almost nip and tuck. And again, I suppose under the watchful eye of Frank, the dub stars, the, the club players were, were keen to maybe say, listen, you know, the stand up and, and be seen out at this stage. And it was ultra competitive uh, in every sense of the word. Uh, it, it was, uh, there was no quarter asked or given. It was like, a, it was basically, it was like a championship match for all intents and purposes. I'll be between two teams who are both Dublin based now <laughs> at this stage. So it, it was it was very entertaining for for, for the people itself yeah. now on the day itself. And Parnells has always looked after as well down there. So we kind of fed the multitude down there. Brought them upstairs, gave a meal afterwards, and obviously the the, the medals were, were 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 a big thing there now at this stage mm-hmm. for, for the Dub Stars. And um, so all things considered, it, it was a, a brilliant day out. By all concerned, and we raised a few a few bob for, for the local charities because we took a, a 
collection because these uh, dub star matches we never charge into the venue but we normally take up a collection for for charities within the area so I think we made about 12 or 1300 euro on the day Fantastic. just for, from passing around the bucket which was great and, and went towards it you know St. Francis Hospice on one side and St. Michael's House on the other so those two charities could benefit from the uh, from from those particular matches. So all things considered, uh, Suzanne, it was a fantastic way to kind of uh, finish off the season, finally bring down the curtain on, on a, a competitive type match, yeah. albeit in, in, in December. And then it, basically there wasn't any real time for the players to take a rest because most of the players that took part in those games would have been involved either on Shane's um, intermediate team now as it is yeah. for 2019 or Frank uh, Brown's team, our senior team for again for 2019, and of course you had Willie Brain's team, the minor team, and actually as well. So it really was kind of the end of one season and the start of another exactly, season, all, yeah. all, all, all in the same day. That there was no, <laughs> there was no kind of close season where well, okay, we'll, we'll take a break now for three weeks or a month or whatever, and we'll come back refreshed. It, it wasn't it, nothing changed. But they were all back out probably the. Probably the following weekend or thereabouts in some form of training session or other. Yeah. Um, so a fantastic way to, to finish it off and, and uh, our sincere thanks to, to Parnell for once again uh, making their premises available to host these uh, the, the, these are prestigious games now at this stage so uh, a lovely way to finish off the season Well as you mentioned it, it's, it was the end of the season and the start of the next one and Frank Brown w- would have been there watching tell me what's happening now with the new management and how the, the changeover is Okay well let, let, me, let me just go back a little bit because we'll go back to the time that uh, David Herty left and obviously we were looking for a new manager at that mm. stage and I suppose if I'm being honest Suzanne there's always the, the, the fear there but how, because the, the, the new manager coming in will have his own ideas, philosophies, yeah. uh, ways of training, etc., etc., etc. And it's always a little bit of a nervous time because we're, we're never quite sure how the, the panel might react or, or kind of to, to a new manager coming on board. So there was a little bit of a, of a bedding in, in period, but I'm delighted to say that the, 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 the changeover has gone better than we could ever have hoped to or, or imagine now at this stage. They seem to kind of fit in there. They've got a bond now with the girls there, which which obviously exists between themselves and David. But Frank is an entirely different uh, kettle of fish to, to David. Mm. Their, their management skills are totally different. Equally, you know, in their own right, they're, they're, each of them are, are, are excellent at what they do. In fact, there's no doubt. But they're, they're like chalk and cheese at this stage. But the players themselves, and they're the most important people, appear to have bought into the into the new kind of regime at this stage. Yeah, yeah. They've been um they've been in operation since before the Dubstars match, probably probably early December thereabouts they were back out um uh, kind of kind of trialing just four or five trial matches um, from which Frank and, and his selectors actually selected from. And I think at that stage uh, towards the end of December uh, Frank was in the process of finalising his panel, which he has done, he's since done so at this stage. So, uh, really, from a Dublin County Board perspective, um, we are so happy with the way that there seems to have been a good buy in from the players. That the, there seems to be a, a renewed kind of enthusiasm there between all the players. And from what I've seen so far, and again, albeit they're only maybe challenge matches or, or whatever. But they are certainly flying now at the moment. There's yeah. no two ways about it. It's a very, very young pound. Uh, Frank is kind of he's promoted some of the uh, Premier players from last year mm. into the senior squads, which is the way it, it should be. That's why we were keen to have a team playing Division One, Division Two, because one it's a natural progression from one to the other. 
And equally, it's important for us to have a fairly good minor team as well, so that the kind of the chain goes from minor into 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 intermediate, and and or senior. If the minors are good enough, they'll they'll bypass the uh, intermediate team and go into Frank's team. He has taken up some minors, uh, which is a good uh, a good sign in the first place. So we have a, a lot of very very young players, but you know there's a huge amount of enthusiasm there and, and, and goodwill. So. I mean, you know, if the first month and a half is anything to 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 judge by Suzanne, they seem to start off on 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 the right vein. They probably don't have too long to wait for the mm. first match. I think uh, what the twenty sixth of uh, of January is when we have a first outing away to Kenny. So that'll be a good test for for this team just to see how far we are because Kilkenny will always, you know, they, they, no matter what team they put out, they'll <laughs> always be very very they're they're, they're always there thereabouts. Um, beating all Ireland finalists now this year again so there'll be no back number so if yeah. we can get a good result against uh, Kildare against uh, Kilkenny it will give us a fair good indication as to where we are um, as regards our own progression uh, at this stage mm. but you know the early results are, or the early signs are, are very very positive and as I say we've had no one walk away from you now we've had one or two people who have actually left this year to go uh, to Australia or thereabouts and Hannah Hercley would, would, would be a, a big loss from, from that point of view but like everything else I mean, I mean these players that's what they do they, they, they'll go on they'll they're, uh, go off for a year or so but um, but you know, and hopefully in a year's time when Hannah comes back she'll fit back into this team because she's one of those players that you know, a lot was expected from Dublin Club and that will will, will be expected in the years to come that when she comes back from her, her travels that she'll slip back in seamlessly into a, a well-functioning team so it's, it's probably a good time to kind of you know, test out a few different things and it's a whole new fre- it's, a, it's a fresh re- regime uh, Suzanne yeah. it's uh, again uh, uh, the team that, the, uh, that uh, Frank has put around now are all very progressive and they all seem to have bought into the into, into the into the way of playing and training, etc. Of course, you have now Philly McMahon. Philly McMahon is involved with all our, our uh, into, uh, all our kind of uh, uh, county teams and development squads. He has them right across the board, so that's a good indication as well. And again, Philly is fitting in very, very well with the girls. They they you know, they go up to his gym up there in Finglas, uh once a week or maybe twice a week. I'm not quite sure how many times they're going up there at the moment, but again. That's gone off really well. The changeover has gone mm. really smoothly as well. So um, everyone seems to be singing from the same hymn sheet, which yeah. is a, a bonus uh, straight away that you're not trying to win over players, you know, one by one by one. They all seem to fall into the new transit, the new, the new kind of regime, and that's you know hopefully very you know very kind of progressive from a Dublin point of view. So time will tell when it comes down to nitty gritty of national league matches, Suzanne, just mm. how far with progress so but we won't have to as I say we won't have to wait too long to find out our, our, how we're doing because in two weeks time we have our first real test of, the, of the new year so fingers crossed that everything goes as well as it's gone in the first five or six weeks Well you can already tell in the first five or six weeks how much work has gone into this that the this Kamogi squad has been named and he, he's, he knows his players well enough to, to pick his captain his vice captain Yeah exactly and he's um, Picked Roshan Baker from the Fina as uh, as the captain, and Ashley Carolyn from um, Saint Oliver Plunkett as the vice captain. Two very young players now. Ashley Carolyn from last year was playing at the top for a game. She she's a young young girl now, or a young woman to be honest, and, and she's playing really really well. Mm. And Roshan Baker is one of the newer players that that you know was on the panel there last year, but 
probably didn't get as much game time as maybe she, she might have wished herself. But certainly, whatever she's shown in pre-season training, uh, Frank has seen something there in, in Roshan which he likes. Her. He's made no secret of the fact that he thinks she, she's a, a born leader. Yeah. And he's given her the, the responsibility and the honour of captaining Dublin. And she's embraced that really well. Mm. I think she'll do really well, both on and off the field, because it, it, as much as playing on the field, um, the people have to be repre- able to represent us off the field as well, yeah. maybe the uh, media or, or whatever. And it, there's a hell of a lot more media involved nowadays than there was maybe four or five years ago. Everything is kind of social, you yeah. know, social media, etc. So, and I think she'll she'll kind of come across as a very well-grounded young young, young woman now at this stage. So, again, she's she's exceptionally excited and thrilled to, to, to receive the honour. And I think she'll do really well, and she'll lead by example on the pitch itself. So, I mean, all, all things look really positive there from that point of view. Brilliant. And then the AGM was held on Monday night. So, what's in the year to come? Yeah, again, there wasn't much chance to have for a bit of a rest. So, basically, with the exception of a, of a few um, changes within the, the, the existing management, and I think I've taken a back seat now this year because my five year term was up on Monday night. So, whether I wanted to or not, I had no option but to stand aside. So, um, Jim Shannon will now be the new county secretary, and Jim has been kind of assistant secretary for the last year. He's well used to dealing with the with, with the issues that come up on a day to day basis, and he's he's, he's a man. He's, he's a Maeve Olaf man, uh, but he has a huge interest in commodities. He's, he has his ears to the ground. He's involved with some of our development squads. So you couldn't ask for a better man to kind of t- step into the shoes of county secretary. And I'm quite sure that he'll lead the way, um, you know, in big time in, in 2019. And you know, apart from anything else, he's actually looking forward. I mean, he's relishing the role of uh, of uh, uh, secretary as opposed to someone who's coming in not really knowing what to expect. He's been there, done that, worn the t-shirts to that. So if I even uh, can kind of take us into the, into the next year or so, Jim is, is the man. So the lives that he's taken on board, on board at this stage. And with the exception of Jim, I think we had the assistant treasurer coming in there uh, as being a, one, a, a new a new, pair, pair, a new member from last year. But all the rest is simply uh, in situ. Jenny, Jenny Bonas is, uh, is chair and Rachel Rogers is vice chair. So mm. there's no real change, but there is change. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's business as usual. So, uh, <laughs> Suzanne, there's no time for reflections or, or betting in time. It's, you know, because our AGM is just over. We have our registration night now in a couple of weeks' time where all the teams will uh, tell us what sort of leagues, what, what sort of teams they're entering, where they're entering them and such. Then we'll sit down and we'll try and work out um, a league uh, process or a league structure based on the number of teams that have entered. So between that and the first county board meeting in, in, in early February, it's just a continuous round of meetings um, regarding meetings regarding meetings so again until things get up and running in February which we hope to start our leagues in some form or other and particularly this year I'm keen to get a, a real minor league in operation whereas last year we probably had a kind of a, a, a minor league but it, it just played lip service we filled mm-hmm. them in the matches whenever we could and that wasn't very satisfactory. And we think we have a good bunch of miners coming through. We're, hold, we're keen to hold on to them. Yeah. Um, and we're keen to give them meaningful competition. So I'm going to sit down now tomorrow or the day after and see if I can come up with a structure which will entice clubs to enter minor teams in, in the league. And they'll run probably through February, March and April or thereabouts until the, until the adults kick in. So between that and cup matches and 
devil knows what else. There'll be lots of keepers on there. You know, we won't want for something to do <laughs> over the next uh, three or four months at this stage. But it's, uh, at least we have an idea where we want to go. It's only a matter of sitting down and, and you know, kind of taking all the thoughts that we have in our heads and putting it down onto a piece of paper that we can all actually read at that stage. But we do it before, Suzanne. We'll do it again. So it's, uh, it's interesting times ahead. And our thanks as ever to Brendan for joining us on the show. Now, that is pretty much all we have time for here on GA Sports Desk this week. Do stay tuned. Suzanne is staying around. She is on Art Beat Judy next between 8 and half 8. And a reminder that the Dublin footballers are in the Board Namona O'Byrne Cup final this Friday night. The game is taking place at Parnell Park. It's against Westmead with a throw-in time of 8 o'clock. So hopefully there'll be big support heading out to Danny Kearney to support Paul Clark and the team to win back a title they lost one a couple of years ago. But on behalf of the GA Sports Desk team, Suzanne Parker, Emma Hayden, Katie Scanlon on sound, and myself, Peter Brannigan, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday evening.